Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Adam Hawkins. Each episode, I share a small batch of software engineering theory and best practices. If you enjoy this podcast, then please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Hello, friends. It's me, Adam. Welcome back to Small Batches. I introduced the 12-factor app in the previous episode, along with areas where I think it may be improved upon. I'm calling these improvements the 12.1-factor app. So new features and fixes, but no breaking changes. More like clarifications. I'm going to cover these in the coming episodes. Enough preamble for now. On with the show. The 12-factor app states that applications should reconfig from environment variables. It implies separation of code and configuration. That's about it, but there's good bones here. But I want something bigger from this factor. Specifically, that applications may be deployed to new environments without any code changes. This requires a few additions. One, configure the process through command line options and environment variables. Two, prefer explicit configuration over implicit configuration. And three, use a dry run option to verify configuration sanity. These three points force applications to be explicit in configuration, which in turn requires engineers to take more responsibility for bootstrapping the process. This has proven to be a good thing in my experience. Consider the first point regarding command line options and environment variables. Developers interact with command line tools every single day. There's a standard interface for passing flags, command line options. You'll likely use curl-x or grep-e or mysql-u. These tools may even use values from environment variables when command line options are not provided. This is wonderful because processes may be configured globally with environment variables then overridden in specific scenarios with command line options. This simple interface also supports another common use case, looking up configuration options. Running a command followed by dash dash help or dash h typically outputs a usage message listing all command options. How many times have you struggled to learn which configuration files or environment variables are required to start a service developed by other engineers in your company? Now, compare that to how many times you struggled to find all the options for the grep command. There is no struggle because grep-help tells you everything you need to know. On the other hand, you're left hoping that your team members put something in their readme or you can find a page on Confluence. Moving on to the second point. I'll explain this one by contrasting software produced by two ecosystems. Rails applications use a mix of configuration practices. They may use environment variables, but there's also a mix of YAML files and environment-specific configuration files, such as production.rb or staging.rb. Internal code uses a preset number of environments, namely production, test, and development, to implicitly change configuration. Deploying to a new environment requires creating new configuration files and or updating some of these YAML files. Starting a Rails application requires running the Rails command. As a result, developers are disconnected from the code that bootstraps the application internals then starts the web server. On the other hand, consider software produced by the Go ecosystem. It's more common to write a main method that configures everything through command line options. In this case, there is no need for extra configuration files or implicit configuration based on environment names since the concept is just irrelevant here. Naturally, this requires developers to take more responsibility, but as I said early on, I think it's worth it in the end. Configuring these applications is easier to grok as well as deploying them to a variety of environments. And that's what the 12.1 factor app is going for. 
The command line interface approach enables DX improvements too. One of my pet peeves is when a process starts, then fails at runtime due to some missing configuration option. This grinds my gears because developers devote huge effort to validating user input through web forms or API calls, but tend to neglect configuration validation entirely. Plus, it's just frustrating to learn which values are required through runtime errors. The 12.1 factor app can do better than this. The 12.1 factor app will fail and exit non-zero if any configuration value is missing. The main method that processes command line options and environment variables makes this possible. So does the process require a connection to a database and there's no dash dash DB URL or DB URL environment variable? Well, boom, error message and exit non-zero. The goal here is to make it impossible to start the process without same configuration. Failing with a non-zero exit status integrates nicely with deployment systems. Recall that a 12-factor app quote release is the combination of code and configuration. Therefore, it's possible for a config change to result in a broken release. Now, given that a 12.1-factor app fails fast, it's possible for the deployment systems to recognize the failed release and switch back to a previous release. Contrast this with the fail later approach. The release may be running, but failing at runtime. This looks okay from a deployment perspective since the release started, but it's totally broken from a user's perspective. The 12.1 factor app easily avoids the scenario. The fail fast approach catches simple user errors such as all values are provided. However, that only solves part of the problem. Provided values are not necessarily correct. Here's an example. Say the application requires a connection to Postgres. So the user sets the PostgreSQL URL environment variable. However, the application cannot connect to the server for some reason. It could be networking, mismatched ports, or an authentication error. Whatever the reason, the result is the same. No database connection, thus a non-functional application. This would cause downtime if deployed to production. And I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me for legitimate reasons or just my own failures, like mistyping a host name or specifying the wrong port. My point is this type of error may be eliminated by simply trying to use the provided configuration before starting the process. The idea here is to use a kind of dry run mode to check these kind of things. I've used the dry run mode to check connections to external resources like data stores or that API keys for external APIs are valid. This aligns nicely with the trust but verify motto. Look, it's simple. At the end of the day, developers make mistakes. It's our job to ensure those mistakes don't enter production. All right, that's enough for the 12.1 config vector. Here's a quick recap. One, configure your process through command line options and environment variables. Two, fail fast on any kind of configuration error. Three, use a dry run mode to verify as much configuration as possible. And four, prefer explicit configuration over implicit configuration based on environment names. Well. What do you think of these practices? Have you done anything like this before? If so, how did it turn out? Hit me up on Twitter at smallbatchesfm or email me at hi at smallbatches.fm. Share this episode around your team too. It's a great reference material for that new service checklist or best practices page on Confluence you're always trying to write. Also, go to smallbatches.fm slash six for show notes. 
I'll put a link to my appearance on the Rails Testing Podcast, where I talk about this topic in more technical detail. If this episode piqued your interest, then definitely check that one out. We talk about pre-flight checks and smoke tests. All right, gang, that's a wrap. See you in the next one. Good luck out there and happy shipping. Want to learn more about DevOps but don't have time for books? Then sign up for my free email course at freedevopscourse.com. The course details the three ways in depth, along with continuous delivery, trunk based development, and much more over the course of nine days. Sign up now at freedevopscourse.com.